0: Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students podcast. This week, Dallas continues our series, Lost and Found, where we'll look at different stories that Jesus told about things that were lost and then found again. We look at Luke 15, verses 8 through 10, and the story of the lost coin, and how God finds us eternally valuable. Dallas talks about how if we saw the value that Jesus sees in us, it would change all of life. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, what's up? Good morning again. Oh, nice. A little pencil-breaking action here on the front row. Parker's going to be practicing the pencil game. Thank you, JJ, for uh, not collecting that pencil. Hmm, hmm. Uh, All right, we are in week two of our Lost and Found series. Everybody on the count of three, just say, "Oh!" because of those cute little sheep. One, two, three. Oh, somebody threw up. Somebody threw up. James, wow, gosh. They're, they're such cute little sheepies, all right? I mean, look, just look at them just look at them. So we are in the series called Lost and Found. Last week, uh, we kicked it off, and for three weeks, so we got this week and one more, we are staying in one chapter of the Bible. That chapter is Luke 15. So maybe some of you read it uh, just because you knew we were going to be in it this week, or maybe you read it because it was a part of the CBR journal, if you're participating in that, the couple of you that are. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 if you got them. It'll be on the screens in just a minute, or the one screen in just a minute. Um, and last Last week, remember, we started talking about the parable of the good shepherd, or the parable of the lost sheep. Excuse me, and how there was uh, there were a hundred sheep, and one goes missing, and the shepherd leaves the ninety-nine sheep to go after the one. Right? Even if you weren't here last week, that probably sounds pretty familiar to you. And we just saw through that parable. And remember, a parable is a story that likely didn't happen. I mean, maybe some at some point somewhere that story, the same basic story happened, but it's just a story that Jesus used to help us or help the listeners at that time uh, understand something about God or something about the kingdom of heaven or ourselves and to just do it in a fun way through a story. And Luke 15 has three of those stories, three of those parables that all have to do with something being lost and then it being found. And so last week was the little sheep and we learned through that that Jesus notices us. He sees us He knows when we're lost, he knows when we're missing, he knows when we're stuck in our sin, he knows when we're wandering, and he is like that shepherd who goes out and goes to great lengths to find us, to find that lost little sheepie, or find lost little you, right? So this week we are moving to the second parable in Luke 15. This is the parable of the lost coin. And before we get there, here's what I want to ask you guys, think for a minute, when you were like four, five, six, like younger than you are now, okay? what was the most valuable thing in your life at that time? Okay, just think about it. Don't shout it out just yet. But what was the most valuable thing? And I don't mean, although it could have been, like what was financially, money-wise, the most valuable thing you have? You might be like, I was four. I didn't have any money, right? So value could be financial value. It could also be like memory or emotional value, right? Like what was the thing that if, if it was lost, that you would have just freaked out about it being lost because it was so valuable to you. All right. Turn to your neighbor. Your favorite neighbor is who you turn to first. Okay. And, uh, and tell them what your most valuable thing was when you were that little. And then, and then include your, your second choice neighbor after you tell your first choice. Okay. What was your most valuable thing as a little kid? All right, now give your neighbor time to share, okay? Give them space to share. Maybe it was a toy. Maybe it was a blankie. Maybe it was a person, I don't know, or a a doll that looked like a person, a really creepy doll that you had given to you by your grandma. Emily, does that resonate with you? (laughs) A creepy doll. (laughs) All right, let me hear some of these. What were the things that were most valuable to you when you were little? Legos and Pokemon. Pokemon still and Legos are still very valuable. But did you have like a favorite Pokemon or Lego thing? Yeah, and so it's like if you lost that, then you lost it. Like you went crazy, right, James? Uh, Yes, two boys in the back. Xbox 360, nice. Nice. And the same? Nice. So they're Xboxes, kind of hard to lose an Xbox, but, but maybe. If somebody had stolen it, it would have been kind of crazy, right? TV the TV remote. Nice. That brings up what we talked about last week, right, Cheryl? A book. a book. Did you have a favorite book? The Lightning Thief? Nice. I'm not sure that I've read that one. Uh, how about one in the back? Is that Dawson? What's the most valuable thing? The TV and Legos. Yeah, so if somebody had stolen the TV or you misplaced your Legos, how about last two right here in the middle, Connor? Harry Potter books, books. nice, yes. You did what? Your scooter, nice. Could you do any tricks on it? No, okay. But it got me places, so that's that's a different kind of value, right? So my most valuable thing, and I, I'm kicking myself because I should have brought a picture of it, but when I was little, okay, listen, do not judge me. First service told me that they already do judge me, so I guess it's like, it's, it's gone, it's whatever. But my, my like, most valuable possession when I was four, five, I guess when I was six too, was a doll, okay? I had a cabbage patch doll. I don't know if you guys know what those are, but it was a little doll, and his... his it wasn't like a creepy doll, okay? His face was that like plastic doll stuff and then the rest of his body was like really soft and so he was like the thing that uh, I took to bed with me every night and he had a little, he had a little uh, thing of red hair that poked out right here and I used to take it and stick it up my nose. That's probably too much information. That's probably too much information. But his name was Corey, and if Corey was ever lost, that was the name that was assigned to him at the Cabbage Patch when he was born, okay? So deal with it. But if Corey was ever—you've never been to the Cabbage Patch place, have you, JJ? Dude, it's it's basically the Garden of Eden. It's where life— Life happens and starts for these, these little Cabbage Patch dolls. If Corey was missing, like the family is flipping up the couch, we're turning over the bed. Like we're trying to find, we're going back to the store that I had Corey at, right? Like we're looking everywhere for Corey. Uh, I even remember, we, took, we spent a long time like searching in the vacuum, because at some point, Corey got so old that his hair started to fall out, and I just missed that little bit of his hair, right? It's really weird, the things we attach ourselves to. But that was, my, that was the most valuable thing that I had as a kid, not because it cost a lot. I mean, maybe he was like 30 or 40 bucks or something. But, but because of the emotional attachment, because of like the memories that I had with, with Corey as a little kid, right? And maybe because of the comfort he provided my nostrils in some weird way. I don't know. Why, why do kids stick things up our, our noses like that? Like, but, but whatever. It was a thing, okay? And uh, so, so we attach value to these things that for other people may not have any value. Like some of you are like, a doll? Why, you weirdo? Why would you ever? But, but we attach value to these things. Now, we, we'd be willing to, to flip up a house or drive to a store or have somebody ship us that valuable thing because of the value that we attribute to it. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about yourself in a similar way to these mostly items, Right? Like, have you, ever, have you ever looked at yourself or thought about yourself and realized that there is value in you? There's worth in you. So much so that as much as somebody would be willing to flip up the house to find a silly doll for me when I was young, right? That somebody would go to great lengths to, to find you or just to, to, to be with you, to make you a part of something, that you are so valuable that somebody would kind of flipped the world upside down for for you, for me. See, one of the biggest problems in in our culture today is that we've lost the sense of value when it comes to a human life. That some of us would put more work in finding something like a doll or a blanket or whatever it is for you, that we would put more effort in finding something like that because we ultimately hold it in higher value than we would put into saving or preserving or bringing forth human life. But the Bible tells us very clearly that every human life is of immense eternal value. From the womb all the way to the tomb, that all of us are worth something and we are worth way more maybe than you Could ever fully wrap your mind around. And that's kind of what Jesus is talking about in this parable of the lost coin. So let's look in Luke chapter 15. We're actually going to read, just to remember, remind us of some context, we're going to read the first two verses, and then we'll, we'll skip down to that parable, right? So it says in verse 1 of chapter 15, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, to Jesus, right? So just remember, uh, there's kind of two groups of people who are around at this time when Jesus is sharing these stories, these parables, and one of them is this first group, the, the tax collectors and the sinners it's like the lowest of the low in fact it's the people that society had said you have no value you are worthless society had deemed these people remember last week we talked about how certain people called them the people of the land they they just were dirt in society but these sinners, tax collectors, these people of the land, these people with no value are the ones who were the most attracted to Jesus. And in some sense, that it was the people that he was there for. It was the people that, that needed him the most, right? These were the people, they were drawing near to Jesus physically, but there was also something in their heart that was pulling them towards Jesus emotionally, internally. These people were getting getting close to Jesus physically and in their hearts, right? They, they knew this guy. There's something about him. There's something attractive about him. There's something that we can't quite put our finger on, but we want to be around him all the time. And then verse 2 shows the other group of people who's here. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. They were frustrated. These Pharisees and scribes, they were kind of the top elite people of the day. They were the religious leaders of the day. And if there was somebody who had told the sinners and tax collectors, you're worthless, you have no value, it was these guys. These leaders, leaders, right, quote unquote. These high class citizens, they were the ones who deemed the sinners and tax collectors of no value. And so they were confused and mad, angry even. Why, why is Jesus spending so much time with them with with those they 're worthless. Why would he not be spending time with us we 're something we 're some bodies we 're of immense value. Why would he not be hanging around us? It bothered them. It confused them, it angered them. and so Jesus is using these three parables to try to help them see no. This is what the kingdom of God is about. This is why I'm here. Let me help you see why I'm spending so much time with these people. So let's go down to the second parable, the parable of the lost coin. This one's often called. We're gonna read through it one time. It's only three verses, and we're gonna come back and go verse by verse, all right? Verse eight, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so, verse 10, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. All right, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? So last week, Jesus kind of invites them to put themselves in the story of a shepherd. shepherd. Shepherds were not very clean people, right? So in that story, he's asking these high and mighty, high status elites of the day who probably were mostly pretty clean to put themselves in the shoes of a dirty shepherd. Somebody who would have been on their, uh, their labels much lower than they were. And now... If it could get any lower, Jesus says, put yourself in the shoes of a woman, which maybe you're like, "What? that's really mean. Why would you say that's lower? Back in their day, women were much lower class citizens than men and oftentimes even considered lower class citizens than their children. So now he's saying, hey, elites, hey, guys who think you have it all together, put yourselves in the shoes of somebody that you have assigned very little value to, if any value at all, the shoes of a woman. Thankfully, we've, we've come so far today, but there are still very much issues all around the world in how we look at women, and oftentimes they are treated as second or third, or if there's a fourth class citizens, they are, are still treated poorly. But at this time, for sure, it was regular, it was common practice, especially in this area that Jesus is teaching. So he says, hey, you want to talk about value? Well, the, the first thing I'm doing is putting you in the shoes of somebody that you have assigned little or no value to, the shoes of a woman. And this lady, she apparently had 10 silver coins. And in this parable, in this story, Jesus tells us that one of those coins goes missing. Now, there's basically two thoughts about these coins when you get into Bible big brains. We call them Bible scholars. And Bible scholars, they would have said, uh, or they do say, hey, these coins were either this or or this. The first thing being, maybe this woman was very poor. And all she had was these 10 silver coins. So you can imagine if all you have is 10 silver coins, which each of those coins would have been about a day's wage. If all you have is like 10 days' worth of money, then you you ought to like be searching for one if you lose one, right? There's monetary value assigned to that coin, and it's literally, am I going to be able to put food on the table in 10 days or not? So when she loses the coin, of course she's going to try to find it. The other thought in the Bible scholars, or Bible big brains as I like to call them, is... Maybe that these 10 coins were actually a part of a headband that a woman who was married would have worn. Oftentimes, women would have worn a headband that was made of 10 silver coins, and if she lost one of those coins, it would have kind of been like if, if your mom or, or if somebody's wife were to lose like a diamond out of their ring, whether it be their engagement ring, which would be crazy, or their wedding band. Imagine your mom losing one of the diamonds out of that. Of course, you're gonna search frantically for that diamond. You're gonna search frantically for that coin. If now your 10-coin headband becomes a nine-coin headband, Instead of maybe there being so much monetary value in that, there's emotions, there's feelings, there's memories, there's a sense of, hey, no, this is what I wear to let everyone know that I'm married. And so there would be, in some sense, some shame attached with losing one of those nine coins. Either way, whether it was a wedding headband or it was the lady's last 10 coins, here's the deal. It was of extreme value to this lady. How do we know? Because she drops everything, picks up a lantern, and starts going along in her house trying to find this coin. And you might say, how, how hard could it be, right? Like, is, she just dropped it on the floor. No, I mean, who knows when, when she realized that she lost this coin, right? Not to mention that their homes didn't have nice carpet or, or hardwood like ours do, but they were just pretty much dirt, and so maybe she's shuffling around. She's already dropped the coin, but she's moving dirt onto the coin, or she's pushing the coin up under some furniture. And when she finally realizes it, she drops everything, grabs a lantern, maybe it's crawling around on well, probably not all fours, because she gotta hold the lantern somehow, right? But and she's searching around for this lost coin, sweeping. That passage says, sweeping the house, trying to find it, sweeping some of the dirt out of the way, moving the furniture across the room to try to find this coin. Remember the thing that we said you assigned value to when you were young? Think about the times maybe when, when you lost that thing, right? Or thought you lost it. Sometimes we, we lose things, but we didn't actually lose it. You know what I'm talking about? But either way, we're, we're still searching the whole house everywhere that we've last been to try to find this thing. And so is that lady. Verse 9 says and when she had found it she calls together her friends and neighbors saying rejoice with me for i have found the coin that i had lost i mean i'd imagine that at some point she started telling people hey you can can you look out for this coin like this is really important it's really valuable to me friends neighbors can you can you in some way join me in this help me and when she finally found that coin of course, she lets them know and, and invites them maybe to come over to her house, maybe to throw a party, maybe to celebrate. And she says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin, right? Maybe you've had something like that, and you didn't necessarily call all your friends and say, I found it, right? But, but if everybody else is looking for you in your family, of course, you're going to say, we found it, we found it. And you kind of get a little hype about that, right? So what, what's the point, Jesus? Why are you telling us about this lady? Why are you telling us about this lost coin? Verse 10 says, just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here's what Jesus is getting at, much like he was getting at it in the the story of the, the lost sheep. Jesus is saying, hey, the people that you assign no value to, Pharisees, scribes, religious leaders, people who think you have it all together, those people are this coin and if he was here today he might he might say that we are that coin that I'm that coin that you're that coin and Jesus is the one who has come to seek and find and sweep the world flip it upside down turn over furniture to find you and me we are the ones who are lost these sinners and tax collectors are the ones who are lost and that is the reason that Jesus has come Because just like that coin had value, whether the woman was poor or it was a part of her headdress, her her headband, that coin had immense value that no other coin at the time could replace. And Jesus is saying that same thing about you and me, that we have value, we have eternal value, we have great worth. And yet, when you look at our culture, I'll go back to that. Our culture is, assigns very little value to individual human lives. Whether it's abortion at the beginning of life and people saying that, hey, that little baby doesn't really have much value. You can actually decide to kill that or let it live. You get to choose. It's how much value we assign to that. Or at the end of life, that you can choose to end your life early if you want to because your life isn't really worth that much. It's just yours. Just do whatever you want with it. Like, Or anywhere in between to where people harm themselves or when they look in the mirror, they see themselves as ugly or worthless or valueless. The way we talk to each other says that I don't see any value in you most of the time because I use words that put you down in an effort to try to make myself feel better. That when we're around friends, that we try to get, find acceptance from them because we don't find any acceptance on our own or any value in ourselves, and so we try to find value and worth from the people around us. Instance after instance in our culture, in our society, and the way we interact with people, where it shows that we don't value ourselves in the same way that God values us. Because here's the deal. Jesus came and was searching just like this woman for what was lost for us, But this woman was just, she was just sweeping the house and eventually she finds this coin. Jesus actually ends up giving his life for us so that we might be found. He didn't just look under a bed, right? Or "Uh, are they in the trees? No, the only way that we could be found as we're trapped and lost in our sin is for a savior to give his life for us. That's how much value you have. So imagine if, if you started to see yourself as someone who is so valued, so worthy in God's eyes. And get this, it, it isn't just like, hey, today, for the first time, you're valuable. No, from the very beginning, When God created you, when he created each and every human being, this is why it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or believe in Jesus or not, every human being is made in the image of God. Every human being in some ways is touched with the the fingerprint or the thumbprint of God. We are all his creation, all incredibly valuable. And yet the world, for the most part, wants you to think that you're just another animal. But Jesus didn't die so that a lion could be saved. Or a cat, he would never do that by the way for a cat. And I have two cats now and I kinda like them, but never. Jesus Jesus didn't die for the animals. He died for you and for me as humans. So what if you started to, when you looked in the mirror or when you thought about yourself, you actually thought, man, no, I'm someone who's created in God's image. I'm someone who is worthy of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is not because of anything that you've done. It's not because of anything that you've said. The Pharisees thought they were worthy because of their actions, their deeds, their words. No, you're just worthy because of who, who you are, who, the one who created you. Jesus sees immense eternal value in you. Imagine the way you would speak to people if you saw them as valuable too. If you saw them as created in God's image. Imagine what social media would be like. Imagine what politics would be like. Imagine what sports would, would be like if we realize that each human being is valuable in the eyes of God. So much so that he came, swept the entire world, turned it upside down, gave his life for us. Here's a final story and then I'm done. Uh, a few years ago, there was a, a lottery in Australia there's well there's probably always a lottery going on in Australia right but in America too And this guy ended up winning. He had the winning ticket. The lottery was for what would be the equivalent of $700,000 in the U.S., right? And this guy, which I don't know about you, but if somebody wants to give me $700,000, that is valuable to me, and I will take it. Uh, But this guy won the lottery. He had the winning lottery ticket for the $700,000. But here's why uh, this story does not get much happier than that. Somehow, this winning lottery ticket ends up getting swept off his counter and into the trash, right? But it didn't stop there. It's in the trash bag. It then goes out to the dumpster and then ends up at the city dump. And once this guy realizes it, it's, it's kind of already too late, right? But, but this is extremely valuable. $700,000, you just threw it away, dude, or whoever did it. And so he goes to the city council and is like, please, let me dig in the trash. And and they're like, well, I I guess that is kind of valuable. So I I think we'll we'll let you do it, right? And it's around Christmas time. And so everybody's pretty much, you know, thrown out their their Christmas meals once they've been done with it. And so you can imagine there's more trash when it comes to food. There's more trash when it comes to wrapping. Like Chris, I don't know if you guys have ever seen your trash can at Christmas time, but there's a lot more trash, okay? But he goes to this city dump. They let him do it. And, you know, we're not just talking, about a big dumpster or even enough trash that would fill this stage but we're talking about big huge mounds of trash that this guy would have to dig through but for seven hundred thousand dollars I mean what would you be willing to do and so he starts digging through it and digs through it for a day and takes very little breaks you know to eat and I guess to go to the bathroom or something but digs through it for day two Doesn't find anything. Digs through day three, day four, finally comes and goes, and he just cannot find it. Unfortunately for this dude, as it would be for every human being, there comes a time where you, (laughs) like, what am I going to do? And he just gives up. And he, he never finds that lottery ticket. But he spent four days digging through, going through like nasty banana peels and maybe like turkey carcasses or whatever right after people have eaten them for for Christmas. And uh, he goes through all this nasty trash to try and find this thing and ultimately comes up empty handed. What a sad story. Here's the good news for us in this story though. Jesus went to much greater lengths than digging through four days of trash for us. He put on flesh, lived a life that we can never live, a perfect life, died a death that we deserved. And at the end of of his death, his resurrection, he didn't come up empty-handed of that lottery ticket, but he came up with a, a way made for you and me to be with God forever, to have true, abundant, eternal life. If Jesus is seeking after you, if you are that lost coin, if you are that lost lottery ticket, he's not going to give up. He will find you. And he went to the greatest of lengths to do it. What would happen if you really started to believe, man, that's how God sees me. And that's how he sees other people around me. I think it would change everything. Let me pray for us. God, help us to just see this week even a little bit of, of our value. God, we, we are that lost coin before you. We are the coin that, that needs to be found. We are the, the, the coin that you came in search of. So I pray that we would be able to see our value and that from that, God, you would help us to see all of the other people around us as just as valuable. That our words to them would be sweet, that our actions towards them would be kind, that we would have compassion on those valuable people when they're hurting, just like you. We love you, God. Thank you for coming for us, for doing something, for, for finding us. That coin didn't do anything to be found, and we don't do anything to be found either. You're the one who's coming after us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.